This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. An issue that has really exploded in recent years, uh, pretty much alongside the rise of consumer DNA testing, has been the issue of discovering who your real, when I say real, biological parents are. And uh, I know a lot of folks, and I have three very close friends, who learned the identity of their biological fathers late in life. And, um, you know, in one in one friend's case, he has a very good relationship. He was adopted. Very good relationship with his biological mother. He's actually closer with his biological mother now than he was with his adopted mother. Uh, and he has no relationship with his biological father. I have another friend who is very close with his biological father, but who... Um, his biological mother has no interest in meeting him. I have another friend who has not told the person that he grew up believing that it was his father. He hasn't even told his father that he's not really his biological father because he believes that that would devastate him. He's never told him. And these are all ethical issues. These are all legal issues. These are all social and cultural issues, which we're dealing with now that people never even thought of dealing with 30 or 40 years ago. Well, someone who did think about those issues was Julia Daly. Julia was a former educator. She is a former educator. She's also the author of a new novel called No Names to Be Given, which is a novel based on her own experience of being born into a maternity home in the South during the 1960s. Julia, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. I appreciate you getting up early. Thanks so much. Glad to be here, Frank. So, Julia, give us sort of the the Reader's Digest version of your story. What were the circumstances of your birth and uh, how you were raised? I was an adopted child from a maternity home in New Orleans, and I was adopted by two great parents and had a great childhood. But as I began to have my own family, uh, I wanted to know more about my health issues because I had some health issues. My children had some health issues. And when you're adopted, they don't leave any Mm. records with you. And when you go into a doctor's office, they ask you if you have cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and you have to say, I don't know, because I'm adopted. So we have to start from square one. For people, sorry, go ahead. So when I decided to search and find my birth mother, uh, there was a Napoleonic law still on the books in New Orleans, and I was able to open the records because adopted children can inherit from their natural parents, according to that Napoleonic law. Well, you can't inherit from somebody that you don't know. So that was the loophole that opened my original birth certificate. And for people that don't know or uh, fully comprehend the uh, difference between maternity wards and uh, orphanages, what is the difference being raised in a maternity ward versus an orphanage? Well, maternity home is where young, unwed young unwed women went to have babies and give them up for adoption and then they left there and left the babies at that home and then those infants were adopted and an orphanage is where children are brought up on the grounds of that that orphanage got it okay um and so your interest in connecting with your biological mother was based in a desire to 
see what sort of uh, what lied ahead with your own health, any pitfalls that may be in your own future. Exactly. And that when, was when that did was you the reason I wanted to to search? When did you begin this process of trying to find your biological parents? I was in my early twenties, and I didn't think it was going to take long. And I thought that that would be you know, a great thing to do. And as I said, you know, I I don't know how many of your listeners know, but when you're adopted, your original birth certificate is sealed. The records are sealed and the adoptive parents are issued a new birth certificate that shows that they actually gave birth to you. So how did your um, detective work go? Uh, what process did you go through to actually find your biological uh, parents? Take us through it. Well, the Napoleonic Law opened that loophole to open the records so I could get that original birth certificate. And luckily, my birth grandmother still lived at that address mm-hmm. where my, my birth mother had lived. And uh, so I called her and asked her if she had a daughter who gave up a baby for adoption. And she said, absolutely not. You know, they were still keeping those secrets and didn't want to expose her daughter to somebody that, you know, they didn't know why I was showing up on her doorstep. But my birth mother did call me, and we got to know each other. She had not told her sons that she had given up a child for adoption, so those secrets came out. And, and you know, that's always difficult for, for people who don't know. And then when the DNA kits, the commercial kits became available. I took the DNA testing, and you may find second or third cousins, but you don't usually find a paternal match unless both parties searching are in the same database, the same company's database. But I received a message through that DNA company with the reference line, are you my sister? And that will get your attention. And sure enough, she's a biological half-sister that I found through those DNA results. She's from my paternal side of the birth family. So did you ultimately get to meet, uh, keeping in mind the uh, stumbling block that your biological, uh, uh, your maternal biological grandmother tried to hinder your search, did you get to meet your biological parents? I got to meet, meet my birth mother. And she gave me my birth father's name, and I searched through the DNA results and found out that um, he had passed away. And I didn't get to meet him, but a first cousin saw the results in that database and reached out to me. And he said, I know all of my first cousins. He said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm a secret in the family. (laughs) So I had to share with him that his first cousin had had him, uh, had me, and and I got to know my my birth father through that first cousin because he had grown up with Mm. him in Chicago. Uh, people just tuning in with Chung with Julia Daly. Uh, she's got a new book out called No Names to Be Given. It's a novel, but it's based on her own experiences of uh, searching for her own biological family. Uh, any advice to people, Julia, who might be listening and uh, n- never knew one or both of their biological parents? 
and may be interested in pursuing a search similar to the one that you embarked on, whether from an emotional perspective or from just a, you know, a functionality perspective, any advice for people before or during the process of uh, searching for their biological parents? You really have to be in the right mindset. If you want to search for a biological parent, you have to hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And if you're not the type of personality who can withstand more rejection, you have to consider whether knowing this person is going to enhance your life or detract from it. And, you know, you you can't be searching for somebody else to fix you or make you feel whole. That's not a good reason to search. We have to be confident in ourselves, and if we find somebody else in our lives to enhance our lives, and that's a good reason to search. But you shouldn't expect a ready-made family to replace a poor situation if you've had a, a bad childhood or a long period of time that's passed, you know, severs that parental child bond. And the best we can hope for really is a, a friendship from that relationship. I alluded to the explosion of uh, consumer DNA testing uh, sites and, and, and kits. I'm wondering what, um, what kind of a game changer has that been? Has that um, made the process of finding your biological family significantly easier? Definitely. And right now, DNA testing is the fastest and most accurate tool we have in discovering identity origins. But in my research, just like you said at the top of the program, the most common secret that's coming to light with DNA kits is the father that somebody thought was theirs for their entire lives is not. And that secret is devastating to adults who now feel their entire lives have been constructed on lies. Wow. What about social media? How can you use social media sites in order to further your search? Well, that's the inexpensive or free method that you can use. You can reach out to groups on social media that deal with the topic you're requesting, like how to search for lost family members. And they can ask questions of other family members. And I've known some individuals who track their family by apps online and historical society records, old newspapers even on microfiche. And the DNA commercial kits go on sale several times a year and are gifted as presents. And so you can, you know, go on different websites. I I belong to a group on Facebook that um, – They were birth mothers who gave up their children at that same maternity home where I was born. I heard from a woman in California who contacted me and said, you know, I gave up my child there. And they are in those those groups on Facebook, and they're called Search Angels, and they will help somebody um, to try to find their biological parent. I know a friend of mine who found his biological parents – he went the route of hiring a, I guess, a private investigator, and he found that his biological mother had also been searching for him, and she had hired a private investigator. With the with the prevalence of DNA testing these days, is that still a worthwhile investment for people hiring a private investigator? I would definitely use the DNA kits first because it's going to take a lot of research and a lot of work and a lot of time and money to to hire an investigator when you can 
try first the DNA testing because it is very accurate. I brought, I was raised thinking that I was Native American and uh, that my great-grandmother was Cherokee. And with the DNA results, I find out I'm half Jewish. So, you know, Mazel the things that, yeah, the things that we're told and the, um, the information that we received from these organizations, you know, was not accurate. But that DNA testing is very accurate. And what about someone, you mentioned the experience of uh, interacting with your biological grandmother and she kept up this this secret. What if someone, uh, father, mother, whomever, doesn't want to be found? And in your case, if there's other children involved, what do you do in that instance? You want to know the health care profile and the health history of a parent, but that parent doesn't not, not only doesn't want to interact with you, they don't want anything to do with you. They don't want you to even know they exist. What do you do in an instance like that? Well, if someone's determined not to be found, it's certainly going to make your search more difficult, especially emotionally. And as we've said, opening records or finding someone through a paid service, you know, takes time and effort. So you have to make sure that it's going to be worth it to you. And and I I would caution everybody not to think of it as as a mother or father you're searching for, but somebody who can share with you about your health records and somebody who could be a friend. You know, I, I was excited to see somebody who looked like me. You know, when you're an adopted child, a lot of times you'll walk down the sidewalk in a city and look at faces and wonder, you know, is this person kin to me? So there are a lot of questions and a lot of emotions from, you know, being um, given up for adoption. And you just have to be careful that that you're able to withstand the rejection again if somebody does not want to be found. Uh, your new book is called No Names to Be Given. It's a novel uh, based on your own experiences. What made you decide to memorialize your experiences and put them in the form of a novel instead of, say, a memoir? Well, I think the threads of memoir through the book, um, especially from the adoptee's point of view, but I wanted a little distance, a little to step back a little bit because those family secrets were still being kept mm. and they were, they were not all my stories to tell. And so I wanted to uh, do the research, talk to birth mothers, how it felt when they were in those maternity homes, the trauma that they felt when they had to give up a child, because, you know, they really weren't given any other options. You know, the baby scoop era was from about the 30s to the 80s, and just shame and guilt just was heaped on these women's heads, and they were forced by their families and society to give up those babies. You know, they would be told, somebody would be told that they had gone away to an aunt's or on a European vacation. You know, they just disappeared out of the high schools. And uh, when they came back, they were to act as if nothing had taken place. What um, what do you think of this law that's been passed in Colorado, which prohibits uh, anonymous sperm and egg donation? It would clearly help in someone like your case, where you want to know the health history of your biological parents. But uh, there's a lot of concern in some quarters that this could lead to 
fewer people becoming sperm and egg donors to begin with because they don't want someone knocking on their door 18 or 20 years later. What's your take on this as a public policy measure? I think that is going to be another explosion of of issues that we're going to face in the future because, you know, my adoptive parents, Uh, We lived close to New Orleans where I was given up for adoption, so they assumed that my adoptive mother still lived in that area, and she was going to have other children. What if we met and we uh, fell in love and wanted to get married, and we didn't know we were brother and sister? I mean, just imagine all the ramifications that can happen if you don't know where you come from. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. Julia Daly, the book is No Names to Be Given. Thanks so much for the time this morning, Julia. Good luck with the book. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. If you want to comment, you can feel free to do so. 800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC. Sunday is, of course, Father's Day. I think it might be fun. Squeezing some parenting-related segments between now and then. Uh, if you want to comment on this or any other issue that we've covered thus far, now's the time, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.